Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Four Person Show on Blog Talk Radio. We are your enthusiastic and faithful Catholic apostolate. For more information about what we do, go to our show page at thefourpersons.com and our blog site at thefourpersons.net. To call in tonight with your comment or question, dial 515-602-9655. The number, again, is 515-602-9655. Looking for a Catholic counselor? Dr. Peter Claponis, Deb Rojas, and the team at Integrity Counseling Services provide faithful Catholic counseling in Pennsylvania and beyond. We offer telehealth and in-person counseling for porn addiction, betrayal trauma, anxiety, depression, marriage counseling, and much more. You can find us at IntegrityCounselingPA.com or 610-601-9781. That's IntegrityCounselingPA.com or 610-601-9781. Looking for a Catholic counselor or coach? Dr. Fred Boley provides faithful Catholic counseling and coaching for men in Missouri and beyond. He conveniently offers telehealth services for anxiety, depression, marriage counseling, or just getting stuff done. You can find him at stbarn.org or 872-269-1280. Once again, the number is 872-269-1280. Catholic recording artist, multi-award winning songwriter. She sings contemporary and folk rock music. She has been in the music industry for over five years. Her music is her ministry. She aims to help people that suffer from all kinds of pain in life and try to bring them to the Lord through her music. She has three albums out and her music is being played on radio stations all over the world. Her website is lisamarinacole.com and she is on social media. Her music page is facebook.com Lisa Songs of Worship. YouTube at Lisa M. Nicole. Instagram Lisa underscore Marie underscore Nicole underscore official. Her songs can be purchased on her website, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, and everywhere else. Her merchandise store has everything for her ministry and can be accessed through her website. Her new CDs will be available very soon and can be purchased through her website. She counts herself blessed that God has chosen her to help spread his message. She is Lisa Marie Nicole. Get her music today. The Four Persons Inc. is a licensed 501c3 nonprofit. All rights reserved. No use of our content is allowed, by law, without our permission. Our goal is to bring you the very best Catholic content possible. 
Going forward, we will continue to bring you the best apologists, educational programming, devotionals, and live charitable and social outreach and activism. However, we cannot continue to bring this great programming without your help. All of our members are volunteering their time and efforts, but the hosting, programs, licensing, and subscriptions needed to keep this going costs money. Right now, our credit card platform is not yet operational, but you can still send your tax-deductible gift to the Four Persons Inc. P.O. Box 11214, Manassas, Virginia, 20113. That donation address again is the Four Persons Inc. P.O. Box 11214, Manassas, Virginia, 20113. If you are interested in advertising on our shows or have any questions or comments of any kind, email us at email at thefourpersons.com or call us at 240-728-6531. And now, welcome to Catholicism Rocks, brought to you by our friends at CatholicismRocks.com. This is our weekly Sunday night show dedicated to the premise that there is nothing better than being a Catholic. Tonight, it is Catholicism Rocks. So, without further delay, I turn the show over to Ed Gravelin and Sean Murray. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank Hello. you very much, Don. Appreciate it. Glad, glad to be here. Uh, uh, let's start with the Holy Spirit. Today is Pentecost Sunday, the culmination of Jesus' time on earth. And, uh, this is uh, when he sends the Holy Spirit. We have to realize that the Holy Spirit is a person. It's the third person of the Blessed Trinity. The Holy Spirit was also there from the beginning. If you look in Genesis, it says the Spirit of God moved over the waters. And, and so it was there from the very beginning. The Holy Spirit has been there for eternity. Also, the Holy Spirit is was given to us during our baptism and our confirmation. The Holy Spirit was indwelled into us at that time. And the Holy Spirit is also inside of us because we are temples of the Holy Spirit, it says in Scripture. It says we are temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is amazing. I've had the Holy Spirit in my life uh, do things that are just phenomenal. Um, just, just, uh, just yesterday, I was in Tombstone and uh, evangelizing. Four people came up to us. We had our miraculous medals, our rosaries, giving them out, and said, "I've got to get back to God." The Holy Spirit did that. And uh, when the Holy Spirit works on somebody, He just puts them into people's paths who can help them. And so I gave uh, miraculous medals, rosaries, brochures to these four people. 
And they all just thanked me profusely for that. Um, one of them lives uh, just not far from me here in Sierra Vista, Arizona. And so they uh, they said, wow, this is amazing. And uh, the Holy Spirit is just mind-blowing. Our, our church uh, uh, at St. Andrews in Sierra Vista, every time we give money to some far-off foreign entity, like we gave money to a ch- to build a church in Nepal, we gave $35,000. A week later, someone died, left us $70,000. <laughs> That's the Holy Spirit who does that. Uh, we did it the same thing in Haiti. We gave uh, $25,000 to somebody, and somebody died and left us $50,000. The Holy Spirit did that. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit is is uh, just so amazing. I mean, if you look at our bodies, you know, the incredible creation that God created us with, it's it's just amazing. Sean, would you like to add anything to that? Um, no, I, I agree that uh, the birthday of the Catholic Church, this is the, the, how the Church was instituted, the Holy Spirit descended over the apostles in the upper room uh, as fire as a tongue, and uh, that's how it all started, and gave them the courage and the, and the belief and, and the faith to go out and, and preach the word. Uh, they didn't care what came their way, um, and, and they were most of them were martyred for the faith, all except John. Uh, but uh, that's, that's the Holy Spirit working in them. The Holy Spirit works in each of us, and it's still the same Holy Spirit. And we can all do miraculous things like they did to, uh, if we have the faith, uh, if, we, if we keep faith, you know, and, and uh, the Holy Spirit dwells with that when all of us we're, we're all members of the church at baptism. So, uh, no, that's, uh, I agree, Ed, that's more or less right. Exactly. Uh, the, the the Holy Spirit works is working overtime now. Uh, Satan doesn't sleep, you know. We know that, but we know that the Holy Spirit is working because we've had. I talked to our priests at our parish. They said we've had at least twenty people who came to confession who hadn't been in ten, twenty, thirty, one, fifty years. Many, many people are coming back to the church, which is amazing. And that's the Holy Spirit who does that. It's nothing else. And the Holy Spirit is God. So so we know God is doing that. Um, uh, I've had so many experiences where the Holy Spirit, uh, I was evangelizing on the strip in Las Vegas in front of the Mirage Hotel. And some big uh, thugs were coming up to mess us up. And I just said, come Holy Spirit. And guess what? They turned around and walked away. <laughs> that, was, that was just a prayer that I said, come Holy Spirit. And boom, they walked away, these guys. I mean, they were about to beat us up or who knows what, turn over our tables. And, but that's what happens. Um, we have uh, the Holy Spirit for uh, evangelists, of which I'm one, the evangelists, they, we can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who works through us, gives us the words to say, gives us the protection, gives us everything that we need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
and it's it's amazing when that happens because uh like I was protected on the strip in Las Vegas. Uh I was protected down here uh in Bisbee one time. We were we were doing a public rosary and some other people found out about it and they started blowing the horns in our ears and spitting on us and everything, but that's being persecuted for Christ. And that's a good thing because it's one of the Beatitudes. So the Holy Spirit was with us then too. The Holy Spirit is everywhere that you ask them to be. And so when when you call on the Holy Spirit, in fact, uh, I wake up in the morning and when I have communion, I say, come Holy Spirit. Because we want the Holy Spirit to live in us, to be with us, to guide us, to protect us, to give us wisdom, to give the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you think of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, it's, it's amazing. You know, in John sixteen thirteen, that's the Pentecost thing. And Acts 2, it's the birthday of the church as well, too. So today is the birthday of the church. That's when they went, after the upper room, they went to the temple. And that's where they started speaking in uh, their, four, their regular languages. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit changed it so that everyone from all over the world at that time could hear them in their own language. That's a miracle. And that's from the Holy Spirit. Because when they when they went out and spoke, uh, they started spree- spreading the word of God to all these Jews. And they all of a sudden said, whoa, I guess Jesus was a Jew. I guess he is the Messiah. I guess he, what he said is true. And boom, 3,000 people became Catholic that day. <laughs> it's amazing. They baptized yeah. them all. <laughs> Uh, I, I think this is a good time now for the Holy The Holy Spirit wants to act through people, especially in these times. Now, this is a time for grace. This is a time for um, God's mercy now because uh, things have gotten really, really bad. Uh, and God works through people and he wants to turn things around. But we have to be open to the Holy Spirit. to let. Yes. Uh, we have to let the Holy Spirit work through us, you know, uh, and that's what this mission here is that John's doing with the with the four persons uh, blog talk radio site here. He, he's you know that that's um, all that comes is inspired by the Holy Spirit and John's just being a tool that letting the Holy Spirit uh, work through him. And that's the same, the same as Catholicism Rocks our website. You know um, that's what we're doing there. We're trying to spread the gospel. We're trying to spread the good news. We're trying to fight back against the current culture and the current climate. And we're all called to be saints. And in order to be saints, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to dwell within us and, and work through us. And we, we kind of have to allow this Holy Spirit to do his thing in us and, and be open and, and to yep. this Holy Spirit. And, and you know, Sean, when I look at the, at the miracles that the Holy Spirit has wrought in the history of the church, and there are so many, the ones that really jump out at you are the martyrs. Yes. Because there, there's no denying that these martyrs, I mean, St. Cecilia, St. Philomena, St. Lucy, they were teenagers. Yes, these yes. were 13-year-olds. Uh, and, and, and they faced, you know, beheadings and tortures and, and, and unspeakable 
death. Um, and how did they face that? Well, they didn't do it with human courage. I'll tell you that. That's for sure. And uh, this is the proof of the Holy Spirit. And I, I want to address something about uh, uh, what I like so much about your website, uh, Sean. And this will make a good segue because we're going to go over some of the articles. But, you know, the, the people have this idea of Catholicism as, as we're attracted to suffering and we, and we love to suffer and we, and we love all this dark stuff. Nothing could be further from the truth. But what, what Catholics have realized and what Catholics have understood is that anything that is truly valuable has a great price. And what we have understood is that our Catholic faith is so valuable, is so precious, it's worth any price. And yeah. John Kennedy once said about America is applicable to the Catholic Church. We are willing, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> sorry, we are willing to pay any price and bear any burden for our Catholic yeah. faith because it is when you're a Catholic and when you're under you're inside of it and you understand it. You know, you're, you named your website Catholicism Rocks. It does our our faith is so wonderful it's the most precious pearl of great price that that anyone could have and um and so i want to use this as a segue sean you i know me and i talked earlier and we want to talk about uh some of the articles that have appeared on catholicism rocks that you'd like to ha- uh, highlight uh, i want you to go ahead and uh and and and, and do that now highlight the ones that that you feel like need to no. be I, I can only talk about the ones I wrote, so we've got different people offering different blogs, but just go, to go back, John, to um, the name of the website, Catholicism Rocks, that, that, that is the, the name of that website is because the church is a solid foundation, you know, um, you know, and uh, today's world is hard to, it's hard to know what with information and misinformation and all that. But you have to believe, you know, your rational mind has to find a solid base. And the church, you know, um, is that solid base, you know, otherwise everything's up for grabs. You know, the, the church is, is a, the, a solid foundation to work from the truth of God and the one true God. And, and Catholicism uh, makes the best argument for the one true God, the Christian God and, and the one true religion, you know. Uh, but Catholicism rocks is because that's a rock foundation and because Jesus gave uh, Peter the key, keys and he, he called Peter the rock, uh, or Peter means the rock. And because in Ireland, where I'm from at the time, during penal times, there's what we called the mass rocks, where people had to go to mass in secret. Um, they, they weren't allowed to practice their faith and had to go to mass in secret out in, in countryside and they used these big boulders, these big rocks. For, for the altar, uh, so that's why I choose, chose the name Catholicism Rocks, and also because yeah, it rocks because it's the truth. It's, it's you know it's you know it's uh, so that, that's why the name Catholicism Rocks. Um, okay. But uh, that that came from penal times, and one of the articles I just wrote recently was um, how we came into penal times, and all to, well, it's to, it was about the. Coronation, the, the recent coronation of King Charles, uh, 
Well, I'll go back to start. So during in Europe, after Martin Luther posted his 95 Theses on the church, Wittenberg, uh, Protestantism spread like wildfire all across Europe, uh, mainland Europe, and it kind of didn't really affect Britain and Ireland too much because they were cut off from the sea, and I don't think it really kind of got there so much. And King Henry VIII was a very devout Catholic. He was even given the title by uh, the Pope as a defender of the faith. Uh, England at the time was known as um, Mary's Diary, you know, because of the good devotion uh, they had to Mary at that time. But uh, um, King Henry VIII wasn't fit for just a male heir with his current wife, and then he wanted to get separated from her and marry another woman, and the Pope said no, and that's whenever King Henry VIII decided he was going to create his own church, which he, uh, he did, which was basically just, he, he's just going to kind of kept it like the Catholic church, but uh, without, he wasn't going to, as him as the head of it instead of the Pope. And as you can see then, now with Anglicanism, it's diluted away down since then, but uh, that was his intention, just to keep it the same, except he wasn't going to be um, under the authority of the Pope. So he, he took the control of the churches and that, and uh, kept the kept the, their version of the mass. Um, they, they still believed in the true presence at that time, uh, but they still uh, they didn't accept the authority of the pope, and he made people swear an allegiance to him, and, and uh, the people would become Protestant more or less. A lot of them stayed Catholic, and even though. I was a, kind of more or less illegal. I was like allowed. Um, people didn't really interfere too much, you know. But it wasn't until Queen Elizabeth the first came, and then that's whenever things started getting really hard for for Catholics. Um, and there's penal laws. People, you know, you couldn't vote. Catholics couldn't vote. They couldn't go to mass. They had to have. Uh, there's priest hunters. People who hunted down priests and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. They, England, Scotland and Wales pretty much took on the Protestant faith uh, shortly after, and Ireland didn't. And even though it was having an effect on Ireland directly, you know, the British still ruled over Ireland, they couldn't figure out why. And actually Fulton Sheen and, and G.K. Chesterton and Larry Bellock found this quite an anomaly because they had the same pressures and the same everything as to, to become Protestant as they had and mainland Britain, but they didn't do it for some reason. Um, so we've got a proud history as Irish people, you know, of maintaining the faith, and that's where a lot of the Catholic um, people, or a lot of people, like priests and that, were, were educated in Ireland and then went back and, and spread the faith back out into Europe. So the, the book I wrote was called The Royal Mess, and about why no Catholic should give allegiance to this Protestant king, who's the head of a church, uh, a heretical church, and that's more or less what my post was all about, because by giving allegiance to him, you're more or less recognising that Protestant church as the head of state and recognising that as the official religion, and 
this is why I think no Catholic in the UK or Ireland ever should pledge allegiance to that king. Mm-hmm. Um, but some, for some reason, English Catholics, Catholics in England seem to have a, a loyalty to the monarchy. Um, it's like, I don't know, I, I think it's like Stockholm Syndrome <laughs> or something. But Irish people definitely do not have that because they, you know, we were mistreated right up onto recent times. You know, we weren't allowed to vote or, or uh, get jobs and that right up onto the 70s here in Ireland. You know, we, we were given after the civil rights movements and all we had here in the 70s whenever uh, coloured people in the US were having their civil rights movements, we were having them here too in, Ireland, in the north of Ireland here. So uh, there's a lot of history and complexity goes into all that. But that's one of the blogs I wrote about and... Uh, that's just that. Um, a few others, but that's, I just thought I'd bring that one up because that was the most recent thing with the coronation of King Charles on May the 6th there, which is actually my birthday. I have an interesting to... story about my birthday, if you'd be interested in hearing it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So um, a few years back, uh, See, my wife was working at a hospital, and uh, she worked a- every other weekend. So they would give her, uh, you know, a day off during the first week and a day off during the second week. And I happened to notice that she had my birthday off, and it was a Tuesday. So yeah. I said, well, I said, I'll take a personal day. We'll make a day of it. We'll go to the beach. We'll go to, you know, the park. Uh and we, we had a wonderful day, and, and that evening uh, I sat down with my kids, and my daughter was a uh, freshman in high school. She had just started her freshman year in high school. So I said, so, you know, what did you guys learn at school today? So my daughter, Melissa, asked me, she says, Dad, is there ever uh, such a thing as a just war? And I said, well, yeah, of course there is. And she said, well, some of the kids in my class say that, you know, there's no reason to ever go to war. I said, well, that's, that's ridiculous. I, you know, there's a time and a place when a country has to go to war. And she says, well, what, what would be an example? I said, well, Melissa, if we're attacked, we have a God-given right to defend ourselves if we're attacked. Well, that conversation took place on the evening of my birthday, September 10th, 2001. Oh, my yeah. yeah, and of course you know what happened the very next morning. Yeah. So I'll always I, connect my birthday with nine eleven since that yeah. s- since that day. Yeah, I, hey, I was actually uh, I was living in the states whenever nine eleven happened. I was living over in I was living in Chicago at that time, so I remember uh, the the feeling. Well, coming from the north of Ireland here, you know, we kind of had seen explosives and seen buildings not blown up before, but I remember the atmosphere in the US at that time. It was very charged, you know, and it was very, um, I remember kind of like, uh, how the American people at that time felt, you know, it was like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, sorry, what were you going to say, John? I, I'm just saying that it uh, was, uh, uh, that I'll, I'll forever, yeah. you know, connect my birthday with 9-11 since then. So, uh, Ed, what do you think about us going into a couple more of these articles that are on Catholicism Rocks and, and, and get your thoughts on them? Well, I did one. I did one uh, called St. Thomas Aquinas's After Communion. And this is a prayer that St. wrote. Uh, 
way back in the 12th century. Uh, and it says, I thank you, O Holy Lord, Almighty Father, Eternal God, who have gained not through any merits of mine, but out of the condensation of your goodness, to satisfy me, a sinner, your unworthy servant, with the precious body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that this Holy Communion be not a condemnation to punishment for me, but a saving plea for forgiveness. May it be for me the armor of faith and the shield of goodwill. May it be the emptying out of my vices and the extinction of all lustful desires, an increase of charity and patience, humility and obedience and all virtues, a strong defense against the snares of all my enemies, visible and invisible, and a perfect quieting of all my evil impulses of flesh and spirit, binding me firmly to you, the one true God, and a happy ending of my life. I pray, too, that you will deign to be, bring me, a sinner, to that ineffable banquet where you, with your Son and Holy Spirit, are to your saints true light, fulfillment, and desires, eternal joy, unalloyed gladness, and perfect bliss. Through Christ our Lord, amen. That's the prayer I pray after communion with the Anima Christi. I pray the Anima Christi amen. as well. Well, since we're on the subject of St. Thomas Aquinas, let me read a blog on on uh, that was put on Catholicism Rocks by William Hemsworth, who is also a member of the Four Persons. He has a Saturday morning show called The Burnt Toast and Coffee Show. And he yes. wrote this article called St. Thomas Aquinas and Christology, I'll just read it, and then I'll get both of your thoughts on it. So, okay. Thomas Aquinas is, is known as one of the greatest thinkers in the history of the church. He was a prolific writer, and his writings are still read today. When it comes to Christology, Aquinas had a lot to say, and his writings on Christology can be read in the third part of his Summa Theologica and his commentary on Matthew view on the incarnation was different because he assumed its necessity was hypothetical. This does not mean that it was a theory and it did not happen, but it was only a necessity if it was something that God had planned from the beginning. Like Anselm and many others before him, Aquinas believed that nothing can coerce God. In simpler terms, did God only ordain the incarnation as a result of the fall or was the incarnation already put in place because God knew the fall would take place? Through the fall, man became separated from God, but through the incarnation, this was remedied. It was remedied because God sought to unite humanity to himself. Though donning a human body was below God, he loved us so much that Christ did it so we may be united with him. Aquinas delves into two kinds of necessity. The first necessity in one is one in which there is no way we can achieve the end. There is nothing, as humans do, that we can do to satisfy the penalty of sin. This is not possible because original sin has corrupted our very nature. The second necessity spoken of is that of man being sufficient because of the actions of another. In this case, it is Christ who sustains us. Aquinas goes on to say very much more about the incarnation in section 3 of the Summa. He answers the question of whether the incarnation should have happened at the beginning of time or the end. His answer is masterful, but simple at the same time. He quotes scripture to say that in the fullness of time, Christ came to save sinners. 
If this happened in the beginning of the world, there would be no sinners as the fall had not taken place. It had, if it happened at the end of the world, then it would have been too late for those sinners Scripture says he came to save. In conclusion, Aquinas takes the best of those before him to assist in his Christology. He is very proud to quote from Augustine, Anselm, John Chrysostom, and many others in support of his position. His affirmed, he affirmed the necessity of the hypostatic union and thinks that it is necessary for one to believe. The unity of man and God was the work of the incarnation. In the incarnation, we find the love and forgiveness of God. It was the decision of God long before time began that the suffering of Christ would be the material element of his love for humanity. Uh, Ed, first your thoughts, and then Sean, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Well, that is very, very true. Uh, you know, William is a very dear friend of mine, and uh, he uh, he knows, well, you know, he was a former Baptist seminarian and became a Catholic, and he has a YouTube channel, a website, blog site, and he's on uh, Four Persons uh, blog, blog Talk Radio. He has a mind that's really, really, and he's written about 15 books, too. I don't know if you know that. But uh, he has a mind that talks about the hypostatic union, about Christ, about how we can do nothing without him. And it's so true. If people only realize that, because most people don't even think about that. They think about their own things first. And they put things ahead of God instead of putting God first, how you're supposed to do it. And uh, what what uh, William writes, uh, I mean, I've seen so many of his writings because I get his emails every day. But uh, he, he is just brilliant. And uh, he he's also a school teacher. And he also is with um, our ministry, St. Paul Street Evangelization, too. He goes out in the streets and, and evangelizes and uh but I would say that uh, William is right on on everything that he puts down and about uh, the union of God working in us to do the things that we do because we can't do anything without him. And when we do works, I mean, my family was honored as the family of the year for the state of Arizona for Knights of Columbus. And I know that I didn't do any of that. It was the Holy Spirit who did it. It was the Holy Spirit who works through my wife, who worked through my son, my autistic son. And uh, people don't realize how important God is in them to do what they do. That's that's the thing that uh, I wish everyone would find out to 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 realize that it's God who. Puts, gives us the energy, gives us the, the intellect, gives us the wisdom, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the understanding, the piety, the fear of the Lord, all the things that we need to become one with him. That's mm-hmm. what I think. Yeah. Hey, Sean, just uh, what William touches on in the article is, you know, is the mystery of whether or not, you know, God foresaw the fall and, and, and put you know, the incarnation in place yeah. from the time – that's those kind of questions. That's a real good way to give yourself a real headache when we try to yeah. wrap our well, human minds around things like predestination or or, yeah. or or what have you, right? Yeah, but it's like um, so the way I think about it is that this doesn't negate free will or anything. So even though God knows all, 
and, and knows what's going to happen. He still gave us uh, free will, so he, he know he knows what I'm going to do in my life and that. Like he's outside of time, so he knows everything that's, that's going to occur. Um, but because you know it, um, it doesn't negate. Uh, what, what, like okay, say you record a football match, a football, um, uh, um, a football game, mm-hmm. and I've told you the result. Okay, you know what the result's going to be, John. When you when you watch that match, you know what the result's going to be. But that doesn't you, you cannot prevent how the, the, the play go, goes. The, 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 you, you already know what's going to take place, and, and people still have the free will in the match, and you, you know what fouls are going to happen and that and how it's going to happen. But you cannot interfere. You, you cannot interfere in that that recording of that, that football match. You already know you already know the score, and you, you know what's going to happen. But you cannot interfere because. Uh, no, that's sort of like how it is with God, I think. I would like to think, you know, it's like he, he gives us free will and he lets us uh, play the game. You know, we're, we're here, he, he knows what we're going to do and he knew uh, we were going to fall and, he, he, you know, Christ's incarnation was uh, in the plan from the beginning because he knew, yeah, it's, it, it would give you a headache whenever you think about it, because God is outside of time. He's like, you know, um, it's not that God, our, our minds find it hard to compre- comprehend this, but uh, I believe uh, God knew it was going to happen, and because of his love for us and his desire for us to be with him, um, he became man. Uh, there's free will is because like you know there wasn't much. He, of course, he could have created us where we were just perfect and we never sinned and we never done anything. But what what glory would there be in that? That would be just, we'd be just like robots then, you know. If we were created, created, created to just be perfect in every single way and do everything like God wants us, then there's no there's no. He he wants us to have the he wants us to choose him of our own free will of our own accord. Uh, so he does not not like um, not that we're programmed to or, or have to do it. You know, that's right. how I, I see it. So uh, so I got a question. I want to I want to fire at both of you. Um, and this is kind of a kind of a touchy kind of question. And I'll I'll go with Ed first, and then I'll go go back to Sean. Um, Ed. We we try not to be judgmental of of other people. We know you know we we sometimes refer to Protestants as our separated brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Some of them are closer to us than others, and uh, you know there's there you know a lot of times we agree on a lot of the of the foundational fundamental issues. Right. But I think there's some out there when we run into them in apologetics that fall from such core fundamental issues that they can't really honestly be called Christians. And I'll give you an example. One I've run into in the last few days that denies the divinity of Christ. It says Christ was, was a son of God. He was the Messiah, but he himself was not divine. If you're not, if you're denying the divinity of Christ, to me, you're denying the entire Christian faith. You're denying the incarnation you're denying the reality of crucifixion. Without a divine Jesus, 
the Christian faith, uh, we're, we're all in a lot of trouble without a divine Jesus. So I want to pose this question to both of you. First, you, Ed, can you take a person who, who says they believe in Jesus, they follow Jesus, but they deny his divinity? Can that person actually really be called a Christian, yes or no? No, because the Trinity was uh, in the Council of of Nicaea, that's when uh, they all decided Jesus was God. They said, God from God, light from light, true God from God, begotten, not made, one in being with the Father. And that's when all of a sudden they said, hey, Jesus is God. He said before Abraham was, I am. He also said, you know, and that word I am was the word that God gave to Moses when he saw the burning bush. He said, who sent you? Tell him, I am, who am sent you? So Jesus used that same word. And why did they put Jesus to death? Because he claimed that he was God. <laughs> and he was God because he rose from the dead. I mean, if they don't believe that Jesus is God, and Jehovah's Witnesses do not, they don't believe right. that. Uh, and they've also had uh, 30 times they said the end of the world was coming, and they missed it. And each time they do that, they lose half their members. <laughs> That's why they only got about 60 million in the world today. But um, – uh, that's that is just crazy. You can't call them a Christian uh, if they don't believe Jesus is God. Because John, do you is... agree? Yeah, definitely, most definitely, you can't be a Christian. I mean, what what's the point of Christianity if there wasn't the resurrection? You know, it's, uh, of course, I agree with uh, that. But you have to accept Jesus as um, as God made flesh. Uh, if there's no resurrection, then it's all, it's all pointless. Then, you know, uh, I think St. Augustine wrote something about that. I think it was like something about if there's no resurrection, then there, there's no point of the suffering. Or I can't remember exactly what I can't I said, what okay, so I'm going to take this to the next level, okay? Yeah. Because to me, uh, the next group that I run into, to me, they're basically saying the same thing without realizing they're saying the same thing. They'll, this, this is the group that will say, okay, well, Jesus is God, but Mary's not the mother of God. Mary, Mary only gave birth to the human Jesus. Well, to me, they're saying the same thing. They're denying the divinity of Christ. They're denying the incarnation, and they're basically almost making Jesus like into a pizza. That he's not a person. Mary, Mary, Mary didn't give birth to a nature. She gave birth to a person. So I'll ask you both again. First, Ed, if you deny Mary as the mother of God, aren't you by consequence denying the divinity of Christ and again denying the entire Christian uh, faith? That, that is exactly right because Mary was – I mean when, when Mary uh, – became the mother of Jesus. The angel Gabriel said, hail, full of grace. She was without sin because you're full of grace. You can't have any sin in you. She, she uh, had Jesus and she not only uh, bathed him, but fed him and clothed him for 30 years. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, she was with him at the resurrection. She was at the, she was at the, um, passion she was she was everywhere with him and then john the apostle he she moved in with him 
and she told him everything about Jesus. During the, so the Gospel of John is really about is about Mary. It's about Mary's version of Jesus. And those people who say that she's not the mother of God, well, was Jesus God? Hello? <laughs> Jesus is God. He's the second person of the Blessed Trinity. And then they say he wasn't the mother of God. How can you separate human and a divine nature? You can't right. separate it. Jesus was fully human, fully divine, and you cannot separate it. So right. those people go, go say, I'm sorry. Uh, Going back to Sean, Sean, it's it's a logical syllogism. If I, if I say that all pines are evergreens and all evergreens are trees, well, then all pines are trees. A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. So if 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 I say Jesus is God and Mary is his mother, it's impossible to say from a syllogistical log- logical standpoint, it's impossible to say that Mary is not the mother of God, right? Exactly. Uh, exactly. I mean, even if you think about it, Jesus was in Mary's womb. They actually shared the same DNA. That they, they were sharing the same blood. They were sharing everything. To think that that if Jesus is perfect, you know, he has to come from a perfect origin. You know, the, the if you go to a, a source of water and you have the most purest water and you, and you get a glass and you scoop the water, you scoop that water into the glass. That water is only going to remain as pure as the glass is pure. If, if the glass is not pure, then the water it contains will not be pure either. Uh, so in order for the, for the water to remain pure, the vessel has to be pure. The vessel has to be uh, perfect too. And I mean, it, it fits so perfectly with Scripture. I mean, if anybody reads about the Ark of the Covenant and even that, I mean, to me, Protestants always talk about how Catholics don't know their Bible and we don't know. Uh, we take things out of context. When, when I, whenever you look at, at, at some of the doctrines, their Catholic doctrines, they're so biblical, you know. And, and, and Protestant uh, doctrines, dogmatic teachings, are not biblical. Faith alone is completely not biblical. Uh, um, of Scriptura is not biblical. Uh, and yet they would have us believe that we were the ones that were adding stuff and taking stuff away whenever nothing could be further from the truth and it's actually the opposite uh, yeah Mary of course is, is the mother of God uh, that, that's just it makes sense, it's logical and it's, it's also biblical whenever you look, you know, look at the Bible and look at everything that the Bible says about Mary and you know and, and uh, prefigurements to Jesus and Mary, you know it's, it's so obvious uh, I <laughs> I had an incident that happened yesterday in Tombstone. I, uh, we have these brochures called My Ticket to Heaven. I handed it to one lady, and she said, oh, no, no, I already am going to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven, so don't you don't have to give me that ticket. <laughs> and St. Paul, the apostle, said, I work out my faith in fear and tem- trembling. <laughs> And say, I work out my salvation in fear and trembling. And these people think they're going to heaven. And it's crazy what some of them think. Yeah. 
You know, mm-hmm. those those a lot of those people, and, and I want to use this kind of as a dovetail into another. You know, I'm going through these articles on the blog, and and I found another one that um, I just this one I, I wrote, but I thought it'd be an, a nice little segue here. A lot of those people, they put on airs and they dress up in their Sunday best and, and, and you know, they, they, they put on an impression of Christianity, uh, of, of, you know, that, that um, it's not at all inclusive. Um, and, and when we go back and we look at Christianity and we look at who Jesus reached out to, it was it was the the outcasts. It was the it was the the downtrodden. It was the it was the people that were rejected. Uh, well, let me just read what I wrote here, and then I want to get your comments on it because we're we're closing out the Easter season, and I just wrote this quick little article. It's a lie that Easter is not for those suffering. It's so easy to get caught up in the images of little kids in their spiffy Easter outfits, searching diligently for colored eggs and a bounty of food waiting at home. Maybe your life hasn't been going so great, and you think maybe Easter isn't for you. Nonsense. Easter is especially for you. Easter isn't just about what, ha- what looking about what happened 1,990 years ago, but for what is awaiting us. There is a resurrection waiting for each of us if we dare to persevere to the end. Not without struggle, mind you, not without pain, certainly not without faith in God's grace. Easy? No. Possible? Absolutely. If there is anything the great saints have taught us, is that as God provides each of us, without exception, with all that we need to be saved, we have our own specially made stew of blessings and joys, trials, tribulations, and graces, The master chef gives us our own recipe of the individual and public ingredients we need. We lack nothing. Some of us will be too quick to complain about the unpleasant ingredients and too slow to be grateful for the pleasant ones, but there will be many opportunities for us to wise up and seek the aid of heaven. Those who suffer on earth have at their disposal a twofold blessing. The first is in seeing the world as it truly is, wholly inadequate to satisfy. The second is the opportunity to pay those pennies of purgation now instead of long years of the prison. Yes, he has risen. He has also ascended. He promised to come back to take us to where he is. This hope should inspire us to get keep going. What could be better than that? Guys, that's, that's why our faith is so wonderful. There's not one of us, no matter how downtrodden we are, no matter how cast aside we are, there's not one of us that's lost unless by our own choice. I go to you, Sean, first. Isn't 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 that what makes our faith so magnificent? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we we, we uh, believe that that. No matter how bad things get, how you know things are, our, our suffering can. Uh, there's such a thing as redemptive suffering. You know, people talk about, as you said earlier, Catholics being um, always about being harsh and that there. But we believe that it's worth it. This is a joyful suffering. So you can uh, have a be the a multi-billionaire and have everything you want, uh, um, all the material stuff, and still. 
you can be ha- like happy or have a fleeting happiness, but you're not joy-filled. You're, you're not. Um, your your heart still restless. What Saint Augustine talks about how your heart restless until it rests in God. But that's exactly what he means. You're still going to be restless. You're still going to be looking for the next high, the next thing. Whereas somebody who could maybe be suffering, they maybe could be living in abject poverty. They could be maybe living from hand to mouth, and yet it could be joyful. You know, they could still, you know, know God's mercy, feel God's love, feel you know, and, and feel like they're a part of God's family, and they're in a good fight, and, and they know that this suffering is beneficial. You know, they know, they know that this that this is, this isn't all there is. That there after this there's a there, there's more. There, there's there's heaven. Uh, you know, and, and there's you know you you, you appreciate things more. Uh, so that's what I get. You know, about suffering and how God. Helps those um, who are most need and who call, call out to him most. He might not give them what they want, like materially. He might not give uh, them what they think they want. He might actually give them uh, more suffering, which actually helps them become a better person in the long run, a more spiritual person, more more bring them more, more closer to God. That's what I believe uh, about our, our faith. Our, our faith is all about hope. Hope. Hope is, is what it is. It's hope, and not like a hope, like yeah. a. It's a joyful hope. It's it's, a, it's not like a, a hope of. Of like imaginative hope or something that's not going to come true. It's a, it's a real true hope of a hope that we know is coming. We we know when we're. In a, I, I think what it boils down to Sean is is that it's. I mean, it's not that he doesn't give us what we want. It's that he doesn't give us what we think we want. Yeah. It gives us instead. It gives us what we truly want, because yeah. the true happiness that we're seeking, that we think can be found in things, can only be found in Him. Yeah. And Ed, I'd like to I'd like to hear your comments. Well, you know, in the evangelization world, you have you come across people who believe in once saved, always saved, right. and that's a false doctrine. And uh, I've gotten some of them to understand that it is a false doctrine, but it wasn't me who did it. The Holy Spirit who works for me to do it. But uh, that's that's one of the things that uh, so many people think they're going to heaven or not. And it's it's very very sad when you when you hear these people say these things like that. Uh, two people uh, in Tombstone said that yesterday. Oh, I'm going to heaven. I know it. And I said, okay. <laughs> they walked away. Had they stayed there, I could have uh, talked to them about how Paul said, I will work on my salvation in fear and trembling. And, yeah. and Jesus said, many will say, You show me a person that's assured of their salvation, and I'll show you a person that's in trouble. Um, yes. We, we should never, never, ever uh, presume that we deserve. Uh, if I, I I spend each day knowing that if I got what I deserved, the earth would open up beneath me and I would fall headlong in hell right now if I got what I deserved. <laughs> so, far be it for me to ever get what I deserve. Um, but with God's mercy, I know that I can I can 
gain heaven, but I have some work to do to get there. We all have work uh, to do. Uh, the Catholic Church has a perfect um, attitude towards us. There's, there's a, you know, where you, you can fall into despair, and then you, there's son of, I can't remember what it is, but there's the son of presumption, and then the son of, of despair. So you have to kind of like, you know, we're, we're waiting in joyful hope, but we can't be assured about anything. We, we have to keep working and striving and, and keep, you know, um, we can be hopeful about it, but it doesn't mean we rest in our laurels. We have to keep, you know, Mother Angelica one time says, um, people are assured or what is it, something, if you, uh, I can't remember, but it was something like, if you aim for the stars, you might, you might make purgatory. In other words, if you aim high, you might make purgatory. If you don't aim, if you think you're really there, you're not going to make it sort of thing, you know. So right, uh, right. try and become the saint that you're called to be, in other words, and Maybe if, if you're lucky, you might get into purgatory. Because as you said, John, we don't deserve it. None of us deserves it. We're, we're relying on God's mercy, and we're relying on God to help us get there. You know. Uh, right. So, yeah. Well, I love what are... Saint Augustine. What Saint Augustine said is that uh, without Him, I can't. But without me, He won't. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're called a church militant for a reason. We are militant because we're supposed to fight evil, fight against the devil, fight against all the things that are going on against us. That's what we're supposed to do, church militant. And that's why I believe that uh, we have to not just sit in our couches and, and pray, but we have to go out and do things. We have to help people. We have to teach them. We have to evangelize them. We have to share the gospel. We have to do the Beatitudes. We have to have humility. We have to forgive. We have to, I could go on and on and on, <laughs> but there's a lot of things we have to do. And that's what's the, the, the struggle that we have every day because we're humans and we forget things, we forget to do things, we forget to do many, many things. But uh, uh, if uh, every morning I just wake up and I say, hey, God, protect me from all evil and all harm and help me to do your will. And his will is what we want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, guys, we're just about out of time on the live stream Um Ed, would you like to close us with a prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Father God, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for uh, the Holy Spirit who lives in us, who does so much for us. We thank you. We thank you for your grace, your love, your wisdom, your joy, all the things that you put into us, Lord. We thank you and ask that you would continue to guide us protect us and fill us with your Holy Spirit. We pray this and ask that your Holy Spirit would come into the hearts of all those who have lost you and not found you. We pray that you would do this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, Amen. Son, Lord, Amen. God bless. Uh, okay. Uh, thank you guys so much and uh, I'll see you again a week from today. All right. God, God bless you all. God bless, Sean. Bye. God bless, Ed. Bye. 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 God bless.